Welcome to From the Magic Pencil, Voices of Writing Through. Our goal is to amplify the voices of people whose stories need to be heard. Welcome back to another episode of From the Magic Pencil, Voices of Writing Through. And today I'm really happy to introduce one of our long-term volunteers and facilitators, Patty Bearley. I've known her for a long time now and first met her in Singapore where she was living. And I met her when we did some training there. And she has been with us as a facilitator and a very trusted advisor for going on five or six years now. You are now back living in the United States. And it is great to see your face, even though it is far away from me. It is right here on my little screen. And having this chance to talk to you, just the two of us, is really fantastic. So welcome, Uh, Patty. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, yes, it's great to reconnect, even if it is via Zoom from afar. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, we do what we can, right? We do what we can. And uh, sometimes technology helps. Not always, but sometimes it does. So maybe you could just tell everybody just a little bit about who you are, um, where you live, where you live now, kind of your training, your profession, things like that, a little background. Yeah, so my name again is Patty, and I live now in Austin, Texas with my family. I am mostly a trainer by trade. My background is in consulting and organization development, and I've helped organizations basically work through uh, different challenges they have with changes they might be going through. Um, My focus in the past has been mostly training. uh, And that's training of soft skills, communication skills, team building skills. And I love it. I love training. I love working with people. And when I met Sue, we were in Singapore where we lived for 10 years, which I absolutely loved. And I was looking for something to do. And I wasn't quite sure what that was. And I just happened to run across writing through by chance, really. I was at another organization called Caring for Cambodia and uh, was introduced to the program of writing through. And I thought, well, this sounds really interesting. It combines the idea of training facilitation, which I love, with writing and poetry, which terrified me, to be quite honest. (laughs) I'm a technical writer, not a creative writer. I don't think I had written a poem or a story since I was in grade school, which is a sad thing to say. And I do, I was hooked. I, I observed it and I was hooked and I thought, I can do this. I, mean, I wanna do this. And, and it just grew from there, really. Well, that's great. And of course it um, brings up the question of what is the overlap, do you think, between facilitating right through workshops and your kind of career as a trainer? So, well, aside from the the people aspect, it comes down to, I think, communication and having empathy for other people's experience and being able to put your own ideas aside and sit in front of someone and ask yourself, what is this person telling me and why do they think it's important for me to know? And then being able to reflect that in your own words back to them to show that you do understand and then being able to capture that. I think that is a universal skill that uh, you use hopefully anytime you're having a conversation with someone, especially if it's an important one. But it's definitely a skill you absolutely have to use in training and facilitation. And I think the other overlap is just the ability to have fun with people. 
when things get serious, you know, being able to respect the seriousness of the topic, but to be able to play with it a bit so that people are free to really say what they think. I think that helps as well. Yeah, um, and all of that is really the core of writing through. And I can see, and of course have known for years now, how those skills that you have as a trainer apply to writing through yeah. facilitation. Now I'm starting to wonder, has your writing through facilitation changed the way that you approach your profession at all? That's a good question. Um, I think it has in a couple of different ways. It's given me a different way to think of like brainstorming, for instance, common tool, use it all the time. It's been used for years, but that the rules of writing through, you know, don't think, you know, let the ideas percolate from the back of your brain. And in particularly, you can't be wrong, are particularly helpful in training and in facilitation of meetings because adults particularly will edit what they say and it restricts the flow of ideas. And when you restrict the flow of ideas, you're not necessarily going to build the best one. So adding those rules or into the ground rules of your meeting, I think is particularly helpful. And then creating that environment where it is safe to say what mm -hmm. you think. You have to be very protective of that. Those things are really I think, valuable. Yeah, I know, but I've certainly found that when I facilitated writing through workshops with adults. It's yeah. much harder with adults than with kids. It is. Um, and it you, really you've is. worked with adults in Singapore, right? Yes. Yeah, did you it, find that as well, working with them, that it was hard? I did, yes. And it, it's interesting, though. Once you unlock them, they just run. But that there is that initial getting to know you phase. You know, who is this person? Does she really mean that I can't be wrong? I don't know these people around me necessarily. Sometimes they did. Are they going to laugh at me when I say this? Is this a dumb idea? It's funny. There's like a continuum. You know, I feel like the younger the person is, the less that restriction happens, I start to see it more in the high school students, unfortunately. And I can see it in my own nieces who are now in sixth and eighth grade. Fiona, the youngest, is blah, just out there, right? Where I can see Izzy is starting to look before she says something, which is just so sad and frustrating. Yeah, it really um, is. And trying to get people to remember what it feels like to trust other people with yeah. your interior yeah. thoughts and feelings. But the good thing is that the workshop ground rules that we use and the facilitators we use and the process we use supports an environment where people should be free to say what they think. You know, the more you have opportunities to do that, the more confidence you have to do it in environments outside of the workshop, hopefully. You start exercising that muscle. Yeah. And you got to start somewhere. And then you realize that it feels good. Yeah. So yeah. It'd be interesting to ask people. So I've just turned 54. You know, there is that point where I felt like personally for me, the tide starts to turn and I really don't give a crap what people think anymore. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I'm wondering, and I, I have to ask my mom and dad about that. If there was a point where, you know, you get out of your thirties or so, and it's just, I think you just have more confidence in yourself, maybe. And uh, I shouldn't say you don't totally not care what people think because there are people who should influence you, but I wonder for how many people that really flips. 
Yeah, I think that's funny. And I, but I wonder if that's cultural as well. Oh, I, good question. It would be very hard for a Cambodian, for instance, yeah. to say that. And I think a Singaporean woman, for example, that might also be hard. Boy, that'd be an interesting piece of research, wouldn't it? Yeah, there's such a mix because there's there were uh, quite a few who really just shared what they thought. And there were quite a few, like any population, there are quite a few who are more hesitant. But at the end of the workshop, they were just, you know, freely sharing their ideas and their thoughts. They're really their dreams of what they wanted to do. Now that in, in a lot of cases, uh, careers had come to an end and children were out of the home and they were trying to figure out what the next step was. I mean, there's some cultures where it's very prescribed, you know, once mm -hmm. you're done raising your kids and this is what you do, you know. Yeah. In Japan, I learned from Martha, you know, you get to a certain age, your job is to sweep the front yard, your broom, you know, and that's, that's it. In other cultures, it's your job is to raise the grandchildren. Yeah. You know, yeah. in America, certainly in our generation, there really isn't a well-trodden path towards no. retirement or before retirement or after whatever. No, and I think especially now, you know, um, economically speaking, this idea of retirement may not even be possible, right? You have to have means to retire. So I'm not sure it's a luxury that a majority of Americans would have anymore. I, I know, just thinking when I visited my grandparents, yeah, their roles were more as teachers yeah. of things. Yeah, I wonder if that's actually kind of cross-cultural. You know, when you are in your 30s and 40s and you're raising your kids in their school and there's yeah. work, and, you know, you can't see the forest with trees. But then once you can step back, you can be reminded of the forest, yeah. i.e. your culture and all the mm -hmm. different aspects of it. You're the one who can show that to the next generation. Next generation. Yeah, I never thought of it. Yeah. One of the populations, certainly in America, that we're really interested in targeting and trying to work with are grandmas, grandpas, you know, the older... Wow generation yeah. are now mostly at home. I mean, it, yeah. it used to be that was 65. That's not the case anymore. Maybe it's the 80 year olds, yeah. but um, working with them and giving them the space to tell their stories. <clears throat> because in America, you know, we're all so spread out. You don't necessarily have that proximity or, mm -hmm. you know, either in time or space where, you know, once mm -hmm. a week you go to grandma's for dinner on Sunday and you hear all those stories. Mm -hmm. That's so true. I think that's a great idea. It's a great way to connect people, but I think it's also a great way to show respect. Well, having that expat experience, um, I personally think that everybody should have the experience of living abroad for a while. It just Gosh. gives you so much of a different perspective. Yeah. But then you come home, and I'm curious as yeah. to you are finding what are you surprised about what are you not surprised about um, have things changed in the decade or so that you were away yeah what's been your experience it's funny when I first moved to Singapore and literally I think we had had our feet on the ground for maybe two weeks and I ran into a person a colleague of uh, my husband Jay's and we were talking about the expat experience and he said it's hard now give it a few months you will actually find in the end that it's harder to go home and I thought to myself oh surely not how could it possibly be harder to go home because at this point I'm kind of homesick and when you don't understand how things work and everything you do literally take at least an hour if not more to figure out how to do you're just exhausted, right? And you can't possibly imagine that going home would be harder than this. 
And darn if he wasn't right. <laughs> it's harder to go home. Why that is, is I, I'm not entirely sure, is, except that um, I loved being an expat. I love the adventure of it. I loved just meeting new people that were had diff- just different experiences than I did. The diversity of culture and the access to that and the access to different ideas, just seeing places that I would never have, would have been able to see had we stayed in the U.S. But also I think the personal challenge of taking yourself out of something that is very comfortable and then throwing yourself into something where you really have to dig deep and learn something new, I think is a great growth experience. And trust me, Singapore is easy. (laughs) It's not like I was being dropped into the middle of a desert somewhere and had to figure it out. But it was enough, you know, to to really shake things up. Yeah, the same. I mean, I was dropped into London. How difficult is that? Not very. But still, it was very, very difficult. And what I found is that if you had that experience, if you were living abroad for a year, it takes a year to kind of feel the ground under your feet. And if you're only there for a year, you don't really get the experience. You need to be no. there longer. You need to be there longer. Three-year postings end up being 10 years or 26 yeah. years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I still feel homesick for Singapore. There are things like I was making something the other day and it had lemongrass in it. And you know how smell just evokes memory? And it just hit me. Just I was like, oh, I missed this. I missed the chaos of the markets. And and when I would go to CrossFit Box, I parked in the local car park and I would walk and, you know, say hello to all the aunties and the uncles that had their stuff out. And just the chaos of the smells and the the sounds and the sort of the rhythm of the day. I really miss that because here you get in your car and there isn't that same experience. Yeah, it was just it really kind of hit me. I was like, wow, I just, I missed the sound of the MRT. In fact, Emma was writing one of her college essays and she used the analogy of the MRT stops, which is a mass rapid transit. It's their version of the subway, but so awesome. And so each stop is a new experience in her life. She was trying to describe the sound of the announcement that came on and the sound that alerts you that the doors are opening. And so we found a sound clip and I just, I almost burst into tears. So it was really... Oh my gosh. In this workshop that I'm running now in a a local charter school, we're doing it on the theme of change. We always bring, as you know, visual prompts, photographs, whatever. And Mm. I've started to do some other things as well, some physical things. And one of the things that I brought, and again, I almost burst into tears when I showed it to them, was a canceled UK passport. Oh, And I said, why am I showing this to you? (laughs) Yeah. 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 But, you know, it makes me think we should bring in smells, too, for prompts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Because that's absolutely so true about the olfactory sensation and memory. Exactly. Yeah, I think that'd be a great idea. Yeah, especially Um, when we're journaling. Yeah, they're really powerful, aren't they? It's something I didn't fully appreciate always. I, and then sound as well. Like if I hear the sound of a ticking clock, I immediately go back to my grandparents' house. But I think particularly smell has a really strong association with memory and emotion. Thanks again for listening. 
If you'd like to hear more from Patty, she'll be back again for next week's episode, where we will discuss education in the U.S. and the needs of her local community. She also shares a special poem from a quote-unquote wonderful fellow. Here's a little taste of what's to come. No one expects to be able to write or, or get up in front of a group and audience and read. And in fact, I, the, one of the more moving memories from doing these is I had uh, one parent at the VSA uh, come up to me and say, I did not know that my child could do this. You won't want to miss that. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Rating, reviewing, and recommending are also so helpful to get this podcast out there into the world. Until next week, bye. From the Magic Pencil is a collaborative product of the staff and volunteers of Writing Through, including founder and executive director Sue Guiney and deputy director Kristen Schuster. It is edited and produced by our operations coordinator, B. Rice. We would like to give special thanks to our interns, Rachel Walkman and Eva Phelps, without whom these podcasts would not have been possible. If you are interested in donating, volunteering, or partnering with Writing Through, or just finding out a little bit more about what we do, you can check out our website at www.writingthrough.org. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or email us at info at Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Ever onward.